Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Lightning fans, you found the right show for everything you need to know about your favorite team in the NHL. It's the Lightning Insider Podcast with Eric Erlinson. Get ready for insight, historical perspective, interviews, and breaking news that comes from a reporter insider who's got near 20 years on the Tampa Bay Lightning beat. Now for the latest with the Lightning, here's Eric. Hello, everyone. Welcome back into the LightningInsider.com podcast. I am Eric Erlinson from lightninginsider.com where you can find my written work and I do hope you check that work out if anybody followed my days at the Tampa Tribune. It's sort of the same style and format that I did for the newspaper for more than 15 years. So consider a subscription to lightninginsider.com. There's two plans. There's a monthly plan at $4.99 and there is the yearly plan at $40 per year. So I encourage you to check that out. And uh, if you want a discount code, email me, ericalightninginsider.com, if you haven't signed up for, and I will provide you with a discount code. So that's eric at lightninginsider.com, and that is eric with a K at lightninginsider.com. All right, a little delayed in getting this podcast out because, uh, got to be honest, was planning on doing this on Monday. And first of all, the West Coast games totally wiped me out, especially back-to-back nights, Friday and Saturday, a couple of really late or early mornings, if you will, up until 5.45 after Friday's game and then 6.30 after Saturday's game. And then the events of Sunday uh, were rather stunning, uh, obviously with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the manner in which they were ousted from the postseason in the divisional round, and then the game between Buffalo and the Kansas City Chiefs, which was just wild, wild, wild. Um, Monday was a recovery day for me. So I'm recording this on Tuesday as the Lightning are getting back to practice after a couple of days off as they look forward to the schedule coming up, which is going to be very, very light. Just eight games over the next month plus. You have the All-Star break in there, and of course what was the Olympic break was sandwiched in there. The Lightning, uh, the reason for the light schedule, as you probably know, is the fact that they only had three games that were postponed that had to be made up, which is tied for the fewest amount of games that have to be made up in the league. Uh, Those games were rescheduled. Uh, You have the games in... Denver and in Arizona that was uh, wiped out in December. Those games have been rescheduled for February 10th and the 11th. So Thursday, February the 10th at Colorado is a 9 p.m. puck drop. And then the next night in Arizona, February the 11th, uh, 9.30 Eastern time puck drop on back-to-back nights. And then the game that was scheduled in January against the New Jersey Devils has now been Uh, rescheduled for February the 15th at 7 p.m. 
Uh, so those are your make updates, and that's why you've only got, uh, again, a handful of games here in the next month plus for Tampa Bay, which is going to be an interesting situation. You have um, games against the Devils, the Golden Knights to close out January, and then you have a rematch with the San Jose Sharks on February the 1st. You go into the All-Star break, and then you just got three games over the next two weeks, two weeks plus, and then you pick back up with the regular season schedule on the 23rd, and then the Stadium Series on February the 26th in Nashville. And that game against Nashville on the 26th, it almost feels like a start date or an ending date. It's kind of right in between there, right? Because I think there's been so much anticipation leading up to that game from the players and from the fans alike. It's almost like getting to that point in the season, especially with the way things have uh, transpired this season with all the injuries, with the COVID situation and everything else. And now with this gap in the schedule between the end of January and the beginning of February, that that 26th game, the Stadium Series game, it it does have that feel of a new beginning, right? It's the end of, it's not the first half of the season, but it's it's it almost feels like the next chapter is after that game in Nashville, in the Stadium Series game, because then it's a sprint. You know, it's the the, the regular season is a marathon. But it almost feels like a sprint because of the schedule that greets Tampa Bay in February and March and April because it's a lot of games compacted into the last couple of months heading into the postseason because a lot of you are already past the midway point. Um, game number 43 was Saturday in San Jose, and I'm going to touch on the midway point here a little bit uh, as well. Uh, but it just feels like that that game ends... I don't know what we want to call it. Chapter two starts chapter three. Chapter four is the playoffs. If it's a four chapter book, whatever metaphor you want to put out there. Uh, one other note on the schedule too. Not, it doesn't have a huge impact on anything other than if you were traveling to road games, the, the final two games of the regular season were swapped. So on April the 28th, instead of playing the New York Islanders, Tampa Bay will play at Columbus and then on the 29th, instead of playing at Columbus, they will play at the New York Islanders. So not a huge impact on the schedule there. Uh, and I guess the, the good thing is that uh, of the games that the Lightning had to uh, reschedule, they were road games, right? It doesn't affect the home schedule in any way, shape, or form. All right, before we get into some news regarding the team and, of course, uh, the midseason kind of look at... The NFL Conference Championship games are this weekend. NHL is underway. The Olympics are about to get underway. And everything you need with a sports book and integrity and longevity you can find at BetUS. You may not know this, but BetUS has been pioneers in the sports book industry for almost three decades, thriving and paying their loyal customer base. That's at BetUS.com. That's BetUS.com, and they have loads of bonuses. Join now or call 869-BETUS. That's 800-MY-BETUS, and you'll receive a 125% sign-up bonus by using the bonus code BOLTS22. That's BOLTS22. They have re-up and referral bonuses as well. BetUS is known as America's favorite sportsbook for a lot of reasons. 
BetUS has all your NBA and NHL games with team and player props and loads of NFL futures and NFL odds up already. You can bet UFC matches and prop, PGA golf and round matches and live betting on most sports, including golf. The online casino has hundreds of games and the race book has all your horse tracks. They have every bet type imaginable and the Sharp Bet US mobile platform is easy with full betting options. Follow my lead and get your phone online and social sports betting partner with integrity and longevity like I did. Bet US. You bet, you win, you get paid. Bet US. And don't forget that promo code BOLTS22. All right, real quick, some of the news of the week involving Tampa Bay as they returned from a little mini break, and it was just two days. They actually stayed in San Jose after the game on Saturday, flew home on Sunday, took Monday off. As they returned to practice on Tuesday, Nikita Kucherov went into COVID protocol situations. Uh, It's the first player since Ross Colton on January the 4th to actually be placed into COVID protocol. Uh, So it's interesting to see what's going to happen here with the team in regards to that. Uh, One thing that's a little interesting in this aspect is this, well, the week before the All-Star game, so the Lightning's last game is on February the 1st leading into the All-Star break. The league has changed the, the testing situations. They are no longer going to be testing players or staff members unless they show symptoms of any kind. And then they will get tested. Uh, this, uh, that was that announcement was made earlier this month. Uh, they're going to get uh, every player once they return from All Star Weekend from the All Star break will get tested upon returning to the team facilities, and then after that, no more testing of asymptomatic players. So again, only if you have symptoms will you get tested for COVID nineteen. Uh, remember the the taxi squad situation. Uh, is scheduled to go away after the All-Star break uh, unless it's extended between the league and the Players Association. Uh, But as of now, the taxi squad situation is supposed to end once you get to uh, the All-Star break. So we'll we'll see what happens after that with teams. And again, this is the last week. Uh, Well, next, this is the last full week where there's daily testing taking place. And then next week, you know, teams will have games up to Tuesday and Wednesday before you hit the All-Star break for the All-Star game in Vegas, which is um, going to include three Lightning players now. Nikita Kucherov, uh, sorry, not Nikita Kucherov, duh. Steven Stamkos was added to the team as the last man in vote, if you will. Uh, he will join Andre Vasilevsky and Victor Hedman in Vegas for All-Star weekend, February 4th and 5th. Skills competition Friday night, the game on Saturday afternoon in Vegas. And then, of course, the lighting don't return to action until February the 10th with the game in Colorado. So, again, Nikita Kucherov in COVID protocol, which means he's at most going to miss five days if uh, as long as testing comes clear and everything else. Uh, so what that means is there's a good chance he's going to miss the two games over the weekend against the Devils and Vegas, but he could be eligible to return for the game on February the 1st against the San Jose Sharks. And, of course, that's pending whether or not any other players uh, end up testing positive. Now, interesting here uh, is that the Lightning reassigned all but one player 
from their taxi squad back to Syracuse. The three players going back to Syracuse were Charles Houdon, Daniel Walcott, and Andre Schuster. So they only have one player left on their taxi squad as of this recording, and that's Frederick Clayson. Uh, with Kucherov going into protocol and Andre Palat returning to practice, assuming he means he's ready to return to games, but we'll see. Again, the Lightning are just stuck with 12 healthy forwards for likely the next two games. So we'll see if they have to make any more uh, callbacks to the uh, taxi squad here for the Lightning here in the coming days. Um, So news to keep an eye on. Uh, We're not past this by any means, any stretch of the imagination um, in terms of COVID and everything like that. So uh, again, Nikita Kucherov in COVID protocols as of this recording on January the 25th, uh, depending on when you're listening to it. Uh, So again, Kucherov out for a couple of days. All right, game, uh, they reached game number 43, as I mentioned. Interesting California trip starts with Victor Hedman, uh, a massive, massive outing for Victor in L.A. because the Lightning played with just four defensemen. If you missed that, uh, if you missed the explanation on why they had to play with just four defensemen, it's a salary cap situation. Uh, the Lightning literally have zero salary cap space. Zach Bogosian already out. Team is also without Eric Chernak and Jan Ruda as well for that entire trip. So it starts in L.A. And the reason that they had to play short players is because uh, there's no cap space to add anybody. Yes, they were carrying Andre Schuster and Freddie Clayson on the taxi squad. So they were with them in California, but the reason they couldn't play in that game in L.A. is because of a salary cap rule that states you cannot exceed the salary cap even for injured players. So you couldn't put, uh, as they did later on, Zach Bogosian on IR because Bogosian was out two to three weeks. That was announced before the team left for California. You can't... You weren't going to put him on long-term injury reserve. I had a lot of people ask that question. Well, how can they can't just put him on LTI? Well, because LTI forces a player to miss a minimum of 10 games and 24 days. So 10 games and 24 days. Bogosian's injury was just two to three weeks. Number one, if it's a two to three week injury, you can't just arbitrarily put him on LTI. You have to prove and show to the league that... The player is going to miss that amount of time. Everybody should be familiar with that, with the Nikita Kucherov situation, right? All the scrutiny that was involved in that, and the league does investigate these situations. So you couldn't just arbitrarily do that. Plus, you wouldn't want Bogosian to have to sit up that long anyway if he's ready to play. I think that would have brought him back just in time for this outdoor game. So, uh, But you don't want him to have to miss a month, which is what you were asking him to do in that situation. But again wasn't permitted. So in order to enact the emergency recall situation under the CBA, you have to first establish that you do not have enough healthy players to be able to play in a game. And then the following game, you can enact the emergency recall situation. So that's exactly what happened. It just happened to be instead of being short one defenseman, the Lightning were actually short Two defensemen. So they only played four defensemen for the game to start the trip in L.A. Victor Hedman, Ryan McDonough, Eric uh, Cal Foote, and Mikhail Sergachev. 
Hedman was 30, almost 35 minutes. McDonough was under almost 30 minutes. Sergachev was 28, and Cal Foot ended up in the 25-minute range, just a shade under 25. So an incredible effort by those guys to play an entire game. And you see situations during the season sometimes where a team might end the game with four defensemen or five defensemen because of injury or whatnot. But to start the game with 4D, it was interesting hearing Victor Hedman say that he was excited for it. He was jacked up for the thought of playing with just 4D because he knew he was going to play a lot. And he did. And he ends up scoring two goals, including a breakaway. I mean, how many defensemen even get breakaway opportunities? But he got one and finished it. And then he ends up scoring the game winner in the third period when the game was tied 3-3. A great play by Nikita Kucherov coming off the wall to find him. Uh, ends up with three points on the night, uh, easily the number one star of that game. But that's the whole reason why they had to play with four defensemen in that game. It's it's a move that's in the CBA to prevent teams from circumventing the cap for... There's many ways that it could be circumvented uh, in those situations. So that's why you have to establish within the within your game, within your team, that you do not have enough healthy players. It just happened the Lightning were short essentially three defensemen because of Bogosian in that situation um, being unavailable. So that's why they had to play the game of four defensemen. Even Victor Hedden was saying some of the forwards said, hey, I'll take some shifts to D if it'll help you guys out. They were like, no, no, no. You take care of what you need to take care of. We'll take care of the back end. And certainly those four players did a ton, a ton of good work in that game. So um, ends up a uh, – and look, by the time you got to Anaheim on Friday, um, the emergency situation was enacted. Frederick Clayson and Andre Schuster were both in the lineup for Friday's loss in Anaheim and Saturday's victory in San Jose. So uh, it all worked out and uh, just something to kind of keep an eye on here as we move forward with uh, the injury situation. Poor Eric Chernak. Just cannot stay on the ice for an extended period of time. Had already missed 18 games with two separate injuries and now has missed the last week. And uh, we'll see what it looks like for the weekend. But uh, he was not practicing as the team returned from California uh, ahead of Thursday's game against New Jersey. So uh, very, very uh, interesting times for Lightning defensemen, to say the least. All right, before we get to questions, the touching on the... Midway point of the season. I know we're a couple of games beyond the midway point of the season here as we discuss this situation with you. Um, but I, I, I was looking at some numbers, and it's a little interesting with Tampa Bay. Uh, again, near the top of the league in, in points and uh, in, in, in terms of wins and, and everything else. Uh, they played a few more games. Then some other teams, they're at 43, which is tied for the most in the league. Again, because they've only had the three postponed games, they've been able to, to work their way through um, you know, the schedule. Uh, but again, sitting at the top of the league in terms of points, tied with the Panthers. They played one fewer game or one more game than Florida at this point. Um, but yet, when you look at some of the numbers... You know, you, you, the Corsi 4, which is shot attempts 4 versus shot attempts against. 
percentage-wise, the Lightning are actually only 12th in the league. So just above middle of the pack at 51.4% uh, in the league. The tops is the Panthers at 55, almost 56%. Um, so top of the league in points, 12th in the league in shot attempt percentage. Now some of that can be skewed a little bit. There's been a couple of games you think of the the few games coming out of the uh, Christmas break where they had the COVID situation and a lot of their top players and goaltenders were were missing from the lineup and you had guys making NHL debuts and team debuts left and right uh, in that game against the, the, the Panthers on December 30th. It certainly kind of adds a little bit to that skewing, but again, just sitting 12th in the league in terms of shot attempts for versus shot attempts against. It's sort of the same thing with the shots, shots on goal. They're almost even. Having and This is all five-on-five five play, so this doesn't count power play or special teams or even four-on-four. Four. This is just five-on-five five play, which is usually a measure of where things are at. Almost 50% in shots, 996 to 992. Again, middle of the pack in terms of shot percentage generation. Sitting 15th in the league in that category. But here's where it gets interesting for the Lightning on a couple of situations. Uh, the goals for, obviously, when you're winning games, you're going to have a good uh, goal uh, percentage, and that's where they're at six in the league. Uh, just a hair over 55.5%, 95 goals for, 76 against. Uh, again, all five-on-five five play here. Uh, six in the league. So they're taking advantage of the opportunities that they do get. And the 95 goals... Seventh in the league. Panthers are top at 116. Colorado is the only other team at 100 right now, which they're exactly at 100. Uh, and their percentage, again, is six in the league. The expected goals, which is a metric which I will not try and explain how it goes. It is subjective in a lot of ways. But their expected goals against, believe it or not, would not be as high as you think it is. They're actually 21st in the league. And number of expected goals against, 75. But their expected goal percentage, which is the number of expected goals versus number of expected goals against, they're fifth in the league. So again, taking advantage of their opportunities here, uh, and that includes gaining the scoring chances. They are, again, near... Uh, they're top 10 in the league in uh, scoring chances created versus scoring chances against at 52%. So they're owning 52% of the scoring chances. Um, and they're converting on them. But the other one is the high danger chances. This is the interesting category to me. We know how skilled this team is, but we also know they missed Nikita Kucherov for most of the season up until January, and then you miss Braden Point for four-plus four weeks, almost six weeks in November and December, and yet they're third in the league in number of high-danger chances created behind only Florida and the LA Kings, and their high-danger percentage is second in the league at almost 57%. The only team higher are the Boston Bruins. So that gives you an idea of how many high danger chances they're allowing. Scoring chances are one thing. High danger chances are completely different. 
and the number of high danger chances against, while the volume is only 11th in the league in terms of number of allowed, their chances for, again, third in the league behind only Florida and L.A., so their percentage ranks them second in the league. And the fact that they're scoring on them, 55, almost 56% of their high-danger chances for versus high-danger chances against, they're converting on. So when you kind of dissect that down and break it down, what does that mean for the team? It means that five-on-five play, they're above average, but when they create, it's the high danger. And this is what a lot of teams will look at, especially when you have a goalie like Andre Vasilevsky, who you would expect to stop the routine shots on a consistent basis. And he does. Uh, what's what's the, the thing that Chief says all the time? You know, how many wow saves do you have to make? But make the one, but stop the pucks, stop the shots you're supposed to stop, and then maybe some you're not supposed to. And that's kind of sums up what Andre Vasilevsky does. So when you have a goalie of that capability, if you can cut down on the high danger chances against, you're probably going to have a chance in games. And that's sort of the formula that Tampa Bay has. And we'll see what this means down the road, uh, especially once you start to get towards the playing time and everything else when you get there. Uh, but again, right around the midway point of the season here, the lighting are essentially essentially a middle-of-the-pack team on a lot of uh, metrics, a lot of the advanced metrics. But the one that I think a lot of people will look at is what do you do in high danger chances? Because shot volume is one thing. And we see Team Carolina will shoot the puck from anywhere. The Rangers will shoot the puck from anywhere. So their, their numbers are going to be a little bit higher. And that's always the debate on measuring um, shot attempts. Where are they coming from? What's the percentage? And that's where you start to get into the high danger chances and the scoring chances. right? So again, with Tampa Bay... Uh, they're high danger chances. We know the offensive players that they have. You convert on your chances. You cut down on the team's chances against, and you've got a goalie like Andre Vasilevsky. That's usually a pretty good formula, and that's a big reason why this team is where they're at, despite even the absences of some of their top offensive players uh, for a good part of this season. Don't be left out. Make sure you subscribe to the Lightning Insider on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else where podcasts are found. Now, here again is Eric. All right, now to the fun part of the show, your questions. As always, thanks everybody who sent them in. I really appreciate the feedback and the opportunity to interact with you here on the podcast. And uh, so let's just jump right into this. Uh, the first one was from Nancy, who sent it in actually after the game against L.A. about, you know, why um, they could only play a 4-D and why couldn't they add extra forwards. Uh, answered the part about why they only had to play with 4-D. Interesting aspect of that from Nancy is uh, why couldn't they play with 13 or 14 forwards. It's the same rule situation, right? Like you can't, you, you didn't have the roster, you didn't have the cap space to add a roster player was what it comes down to. Even if you put a player on regular injured reserve which they eventually did with Bogosian. But even in that situation, you, you, can't, you can't add a player because you have no cap space. They literally, they literally have zero cap space. So that's what it all came down to, which is why they were... Because if they were able to add roster players, you know, that you could have dressed Schuster or Clayson or both, 
or in that case, it would have been both. So again, it came down to salary cap implications. Uh, from Dustin, uh, who do you think will be the odd man out of the lineup when the entire forward group is healthy? Uh, obviously, the rotate, but curious if Radish or Kachuk has a leg up on staying in the lineup. Um, it, it is an interesting situation. Uh, they have not come across it yet, uh, except for the one game before they left for California where they did have 13 healthy forwards and it ended up being Boris Kachuk, who was the odd guy out in that situation. So if that's if that's your uh, precedent, I guess, if that's your standard, well, Kachuk looks like he's the 13th forward at this situation. But that doesn't mean he's going to sit. Even when they're healthy, it doesn't mean they're going to sit. Um, so, uh, again, it looks like Kachuk is the guy that might end up being the odd man out. Um, but he'll get time, and uh, as we see, injuries sort of factor into this all of the time. Uh, from our guy Wright, how much has Cal Foot's game grown over the season? Do fans have unrealistic expectations at this point in his career? Um, when you're a first-round draft pick, you come with automatic expectations. You can't avoid it. You're a first-round draft pick, so you're supposed to live up to that status. So in terms of expectations, you probably, for most people, you know, most casual observers or most fans, yeah, Cal Foot, he's a first-round draft pick. How come he hasn't had an impact? And I think we get, I don't want to say spoiled here. It's not the right word. But, you know, we're in a sports market where football is king. And the NFL, first-round draft picks come in and make an immediate impact. So you draft guys in the first round because you think they can and they should come in and have an impact on your team with the exception of maybe quarterback. You know, although we see that certainly plenty of times. So that's where, you know, you start to talk about expectations versus reality and with the NHL, their players are drafted at 18. Only the top end guys, usually the top 5, 6 picks end up even making the NHL their first year and even fewer of them have an impact in the NHL. So Cal Foot is in his fourth year pro now. He's in his second year in the NHL. It takes a little bit longer for most defensemen to adapt to the league. I think what we've seen with Cal is his growth in understanding the game, his growth in uh, his reads of the game. His, his, shot is, his shot is really good. He's got a really good, hard, heavy shot. We've seen it a few times this year. The one thing I continue to worry about is his overall foot speed. And you don't have to be fast if you can get to places and understanding how to get there. Um, but with him right now at this point in his career, his, his foot speed is still a little slow. Um, and I think that has to be somewhat worrisome. Uh, other aspects of his game are fine. Uh, he has grown this year. Uh, he's had an opportunity to play. Remember last year, he was in the lineup regularly until they acquired David Savard, and then he didn't play. He played one game after that. He got a couple of games in Syracuse. That was it. Missed all the training camp because of finger surgery. So that kind of set him back a little bit. Uh, but in terms of expectations, yeah, I think, again, because he's monikered with a first-round draft pick, so there are certain expectations that come along with that. Uh, whether they're unrealistic or not, 
that's all based on individual and how they look at things, right? That's what it all comes down to. Uh, from Mike Musetta, how many games have the Lightning had where their quote-unquote best 20 players were healthy and available, uh, not in COVID protocol? Uh, all 20 guys? I think it's just one. And I think that's opening night. And opening night, they weren't fully healthy because Calfoot again, was injured to start the year. So they haven't had a game this year where the 22 players that started with them at the start of the year have been healthy. Not one game. Not one single game. But in terms of the best 20, the top 20, there hasn't been... I can't think of a game outside of opening night um, where they've had you know, more than one healthy scratch. Can't think of it off the top of my head. Because, uh, you know, Chernak has missed so much time. Bogosian got injured opening night. He was out six weeks. Nikita Kucherov was injured in game three. Braden Point was injured in November, missed six weeks. You had the week of COVID protocol. Um, you know, the West Coast trip, Palat, Chernak, Rudin, Bogosian were all out. I don't think... There, there may have been one other game where you've had 20 regularly healthy players, but not once if you had a healthy 7D. Not once this year have you had to scratch a healthy defenseman. And that's the interesting thing for me to keep an eye on down the road, assuming they ever get to the point where they're all seven guys are healthy, who sits, who plays, you know. So we'll, we'll see when that comes, but uh, we're still waiting for that to come. From Anthony, should the Lightning, even though they have no cap space, try to acquire offensive or defensive help? Always asking about adding players. As I mentioned, this team has zero cap space. You cannot make a trade before the trade deadline this year without dollar in, dollar out. You can't trade futures for now, which is what they've done the previous two trade deadlines. Right? They acquired both Barkley Goodrow and Blake Coleman in 2020. Two first-round draft picks and top prospect Nolan Foote. Nobody off your roster. They acquired David Savard last year in a three-way trade that saw them move their first-round draft pick and a, I think a third or a fourth-round draft pick for Detroit to eat half the remaining contract to be able to make it fit under the cap. So again, futures for now. Can't do that. You can't do that this year. So when you're asking should they get defensive or offensive help, you have to ask yourself, who are you moving? Are you moving Matthew Joseph? Are you moving Calfoot? Are you moving Taylor Radish, Boris Kachuk, anybody else that's in the lineup? That's what you have to ask. I would like to see this team add some depth. I would like to think that a face-off, somebody who could win a consistent face-off, would be in the mix. You would think maybe defensive depth might be there, but again... You can't add depth because that means you have to take away. Because, again, it has to be dollar in, dollar out, player in, player out. So um, so w- whether they want to acquire it, again, it has to be what do you want to get rid of because that's what it has to come down to. Who is going to go in this situation if you're looking to make a trade? It has to be player in, player out. So pick somebody off the roster. You, you want them to add. Pick one or two players off the roster who you're willing to move to make it happen. 
And then it, it always depends on the return coming back the other way, right? Um, so I think that's something that you have to look at. All right, good one here from our friend Prozemic. He's got a few of them in here. This is a good one. Uh, imagine if the 2004 Lightning Stanley Cup Championship team could play against both the 2020 and 2021 Lightning teams in a seven-game series. Who do you think would win and why? These are always interesting questions. It's a different era. The game was a little bit different back in 2004. So in some ways, it's kind of hard to compare the two. But I think the 2020 team. I think they're the deepest of the teams. You know, bringing in Bogosian towards the end there and the situation where he was cut free by Buffalo. They were able to bring him in. The acquisitions of Coleman and Goudreau. Uh, I think just the overall depth. You know, Braden Colburn was still on the team in 2020. Um, a fully healthy team that year, I think, probably certainly beats uh, the goaltending. Probably pretty even, but I'd have to give a slight edge to Andre Vasilevsky compared to Nikolai Habibulin in 2004. And look, Habibulin was incredible. Uh, he was probably, pretty sure he was second on my ballot for Conn Smythe winners that year behind Brad Richards, who had seven game-winning goals in the playoffs. Uh, but I just think the overall depth of the 2020 team compared to the 2004 team, you know, the fourth line was, what, Marty Seaback, Ben Clymer, and Chris Dingman. You know, compare that to, you know, a Goodrow, Gord, Coleman line. Um, you know, the Pat Maroon, Seti Paquette, you know, whether it was Carter Verhage or Mitchell Stevens, whoever played on the fourth line. Um, I just I just think the 2020 team overall depth and the, and the skill level, you know, as great as Dan Boyle and Brad Richards and Marty St. Louis, Freddie Modine, Vinny LeCavalier, you know, you compare that to Nikita Kucherov, Braden Point, you know, a healthy Steven Stamkos. I know he missed the playoffs that year all but one game. I think the overall skill level is better on the 2020 team as well. So uh, wouldn't be a four-game series, I can promise you that. Uh, from Jason, uh, if the Bucks' loss to L.A. shows us anything, it's the importance of a healthy unit heading into the playoffs. Serious concern with defensive depth in regards to recurring injuries. Most concerned with the Miles, Hedman, McDonough, and Sergachev are putting on their legs. What can be done? Um, just getting healthy. That's it. Just getting healthy is the biggest thing that they can do because you don't want them to stop blocking shots. You know, blocking shots is what they need to do. It's who they are. It's in their DNA. It's everything that you want them to do. And I think a lot of it just comes down to bad luck. You know, it's just, it's the nature of the game today. Everybody blocks shots. There are techniques that you can do to minimize the impact but at the end of the day, it's a hard piece of rubber coming at you, you know, 85, 90, sometimes 95 miles per hour. So I don't think there's anything that they can be done. The only thing you can hope for is that you get healthy. You can start to spread some of the minutes out. If you can have games like you did in San Jose where it's a lopsided blowout result, you can take some of those minutes away and, you know, Victor Hedman can play 20 minutes and spending 22, 25 a night. Same thing with Ryan McDonough and you can spread those minutes out, but it does make it a little bit harder to do when you have guys out of the lineup and you have to play, no offense, 
Andre Schuster and Frederick Clayson, they're not up to the caliber of a Bogosian, a Chernak, a Ruda. You know, that's why those guys are in the lineup when they're healthy and the other guys are not. And that's not a disrespect to those guys. That's just the nature of the game. So uh, that's really the only things you can really do um, is to try and find ways and, and find opportunities to minimize the impact that the injuries are going to have. To me, anyway, I, I don't think there's anything else you can do. Uh, another one from Prezemic, Panthers, Leafs, or Bruins. Who do you want the Lightning to meet in the first round and why? Oh, I love these questions. Puts me into spots sometimes. Um, is there one that's better over the other? I, I don't know. I mean, the Panthers, we saw what the Panthers can do. You know, they've won two of the three meetings this year. One more meeting still left in April down in Sunrise. Tough six-game series last year uh, against them. Bobrovsky's playing much better this year. Remember, they had the goalie rotation last year. They started with Bobrovsky, went to Dreger, turned to Spencer Knight by the end. Bobrovsky's playing better this year. Florida's a little bit deeper this year. We'll see what they do with the trade deadline. Uh, they're a difficult team. They, they force you to play fast, and they like to stretch you out. Uh, they'll give up some goals, but they like to stretch you out, and they have the players that can take advantage of it. The Leafs are the Leafs. Question marks and goal with Jack Campbell, for sure. Their depth is a question mark. Their defense is a question mark. And then you have the Bruins. Tuka Rask is back, but he hasn't played well to this point. So where is he going to be at come April or May when the playoffs begin? The overall depth of the Bruins. I still keep thinking the Bruins are going to take a step back. And every year they just find ways to win games. Uh, so they're sort of in that situation again. I, I think the one you'd want to try and avoid in the first round is the Panthers, but at some point, at some point, if you're going to get to the conference championship round this year, you're going to have to go through Florida either way. It's a difficult situation playoff-wise when you've got arguably the three best teams in the Eastern Conference all playing in the same division, and one of them will be out in the first round, and two of them will be out by the second round. So it's uh, it can be difficult Um no matter what you do, and that's what makes it so hard to win uh, consecutive championships. So the fact that they won two in a row um, should stand out to you, and, and going for three is certainly going to be very, very, very difficult. Uh, another one here from Prezemic. Uh, I think Cal Foot plays better and better lately. Do you think the Lightning still need to find right hand D on, on, on a trade deadline? I, I just think they need, to, if you can, again, we talked about this earlier, if you can add depth, I don't think it matters if it's right or left. I think overall uh, their depth is better on the right side than it has been. It's a big reason why they went out and got David Savard last year. Uh, but their depth is better. Bogosian, when he's healthy, has played well. Uh, obviously Chernak. And you know I think Ruda, again, continues to be a good fit to play alongside Victor Hedman, which is not easy to do. Um, so they're better situated on the right-hand side than they were last year. I think once you get past the top three on the left side, maybe the depth isn't as good. The top end is better on the left, but the depth maybe is not. If, if your number four left-shot defenseman is Frederick Clayson, you know, that's, that's not quite the same depth of it. So um, from Christopher, this is a good question. Has anyone come up with shin pads? that maybe come down to cover ankles and maybe part of the foot. 
How would players feel about that? Seems we lose so many guys that get hurt blocking shots on feet and angles. Made me think about it. Um, so the, the, the issue with that, like soccer, soccer has it, right? Like my kids had the ankle pads in their shin guards attached to their shin guards. Um, so you see that in youth soccer. I don't think you see that at the pro level because uh, it can be a little cumbersome for pro athletes. Um, and, and the situation with hockey is the skates at the ankles already have pads built into them. But again, at the end of the day, it's a hard piece of rubber that's coming at you. And even with all the padding in the world, you're going to feel it in some capacity. You're just going to. And again, a lot of what it comes down to when it comes to blocking shots is, I don't want to say luck, because it's more than just luck involved, but sometimes you have to be lucky. Because if, if a puck hits you on the shin guard, as opposed to the boot, you know, that's, that's what are you talking about there? Three or four inches? And it's, it's, <laughs> it, it, it's just the placement of the shot. And you put yourself into the right position. There are techniques you can do it. You see the guys when they go kind of go down to one knee and try and block a shot that way. Um, I don't know if a shin guard that connects to an ankle protector uh, would be any better. A lot of the guys... You see now they have that plastic coating, but there's a plastic cover on the top, you know, where the, where the laces are. You see a lot more players use that nowadays, and that's been around for a number of years now. So, um, but I, I don't know if, if anybody has thought about connecting a shin pad to an ankle because there's already, again, padding protection in the boot of the skate, which is obviously a different situation than in soccer. So, um, from Matt... Uh, we know the Lightning can't keep all of their young talent with the salary cap. Which player do you feel will be gone in the next few years? Colton, Sorelli, Sergachev, Joseph. Oh, boy. These are difficult questions to answer because there's so much that goes into it. It's hard for me to see them parting ways with Sorelli. Uh, it's hard for me to see them parting ways with Sergachev. Ross Colton has shown his versatility. He can play center, he can play wing, he can play top six, he can play bottom six, he can play on the power play. You know, he's showing pretty good versatility. And Matthew Joseph has shown versatility as well. He's played in a top-line role, a fourth-line role. Uh, he can kill penalties. He's been out there with Math, uh, with uh, Pierre-Edouard Belmar for a good chunk of the year. You see the chances he's created, shorthanded. Uh, his speed certainly makes backs off defenders it just all depends on what it comes down to in terms of salary situations you know the hope is is that within the next two years the cap will start to go up there's supposed to be a million dollar increase and every dollar increase is a benefit to a team like tampa bay so it's just a question of what are salary demands how much do they want to stay with the team are they willing to take maybe a little bit less in the open market you know, it's difficult. It, it's difficult. I mean, Ross Colton already uh, did file for arbitration, I believe, this year. I'm sure somebody will correct me if I'm wrong, but I thought he did file, even though it never got to arbitration. You know, you start to get Arbrights involved. You know, and what, what's Mikhail Sergachev's role going to be? You know, is he's, he is a number three left-hand shot defenseman, even though he gets his minutes per game. Does run the number two power play. So it's it's a wait and see situation to me. What's the cap going to look like? 
you know, we know the light and half cap issues, but uh, what's the overall cap going to look like here in the next couple of years in terms of league revenue? How much is the COVID situation this year going to affect the overall cap? Uh, there's a lot of things to kind of keep an eye on. Uh, from Tony, how impressed are you with the lighting considering that they lost a third line from last year, have new faces and the injuries we've uh, they face this year? Shows how well this team is coached and how well uh, big-time players have performed this season, in my opinion. It is impressive. It really is impressive. Um, it, it's, it's a testament to the players buying into the system, understanding the system, uh, understanding the opportunities that some of these players have been given, the Radishes, the Kachuks, who have waited for the opportunity to make their NHL debut and have come in and taken advantage of it. Uh, it's also a, a, a testament to the culture, the culture of the team. You know, and I, and I go back again to something Julian Breezebois said prior to the training camp in July ahead of the 2020 playoff bubble. Embrace the suck and dance in the rain. Control what you can control. And the biggest thing you can control is what's in front of you. How are you going to perform? What's your compete level going to be like? How badly do you want to win? You know, you can't guarantee yourself wins, but you guarantee you're putting yourself in better positions to win. And I, and I think that... I really think back to that uh, that comment that he made, and I think the team has embraced it. They they really have, and and I think that's just you you establish that culture, that winning culture, that was questioned, right? It was questioned from 2015 right on to 2019, but they certainly pushed past that over the last couple of years and have now established a much different sort of setting in that locker room. So I think it's a big a big reason why they were able to push past some of the injuries and the situations this year and still find ways to win games. doesn't hurt to have Andre Vasilevsky in that either, by the way. Uh, another one here from Michael, uh, a comment, and he's correct on this. Uh, the eight teams in the Eastern Conference are set, just a matter of seeding, whereas the Western Conference, only a few teams are set. Yeah, it's that's pretty much the case, and it's been this case uh, now for the last uh, couple of weeks because if you look at the top eight, so the Bruins certainly uh, currently sit in the number uh, two wildcard position, and they've played fewer games than uh, a good portion of everybody else. At 50 points, there's an eight-point gap between them and the Detroit Red Wings. And then after that, it's a 13-point gap with Columbus as we sit here and talk right now. And Detroit has played three more games than Boston. Now, there are head-to-head -head meetings between the Wings and the Bruins. Uh, but to think that the Red Wings are going to be able to make up an eight-point gap over Boston, hard to see. Hard to see. So your top eight in the East, Florida, Tampa Bay, Toronto, and the Atlantic, Rangers, Penguins, Hurricanes in the Metro, and then Capitals, Bruins in the wild card. Um, so as it sits right now, because the Panthers have played one fewer game, even though they're tied with Tampa Bay in points, the Lightning would face the Maple Leafs in the first round. And, and even Tampa Bay has an eight-point lead over Toronto. Uh, so yeah, that's the top eight in the East. Whereas the West, boy, it's going to be a dogfight. Calgary currently sits in the number two wildcard spot at 44 points. Dallas has 44 points. San Jose has 44 points. Winnipeg has 41. Edmonton, 40. Vancouver, 40. So there's you know, a number of teams still in uh, within range of a wildcard spot. You know, and the gap isn't as huge. Um, Minnesota's nine points ahead of um, the number two wildcard spot. Uh, so there is a little bit of a gap there. And, of course, they're still in the race for uh, top three in the Central. 
Uh, and then the Pacific, you know, look, once you get past Vegas, it's it's interesting how that division is going to play out. We thought that Edmonton would be there. They haven't been. Uh, they've really fallen on hard times after a quick start. Uh, but, yeah, it, it's a big difference between the East and the West in terms of just how things are shaking out at the moment. You know, kind of looking down the road towards the end of the regular season and into April, it's, it is just going to be about, who you know, where do the seeds fit, where do teams end up once we get to the end of the regular season, who fits in where. All right, I'm just kind of looking through here, making sure I didn't miss any questions on this. I don't think I did. Uh, looks like I got everybody in there. Freddie didn't tag the Ask EE on Twitter, but uh, how long until the three-peat? Well, if there's going to be a three-peat, it's going to come in late June <coughs> or early July. So that's how long it would be if it gets there. But again, a long way to go before the, uh, the team gets there and has the opportunity to even try and do a three-peat. As we just mentioned, it's going to be a very difficult task to get that done. All right, as always, uh, thanks for listening to this podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss whenever a new episode does hit. Uh, Try and do one of these every week to 10 days if you ever have any questions. Use that hashtag on Twitter, AskEE, hashtag AskEE, so I can find it and get you included in the show. As always, great questions. Don't forget about that BetUS.com code, BOLTS22, 125% sign-up bonus. Uh, If you sign up today, Using that, there's a link on my website. Uh, You'll see the picture under any story uh, that's listed. It'll take you directly to a sign-up link and get you that 125% sign-up bonus with the code BOLTS22. All right, uh, until next time, thanks everybody for listening, and uh, we'll talk to you then. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.